got all the power you need. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Hebrews chapter 12. Well, he's got... Let me see your Bibles this morning. How many of you got your Bibles or devices, whatever you're using? I see them. That's awesome. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of the message is Looking Unto Jesus. Looking Unto Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, everybody say, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud, of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Amen. That's been happening this morning. That's been happening. This verse, I, was, I wasn't planning on preaching that verse this morning, but it's been happening. So we've, we've been working through verse 1 in order to get to verse 2 this morning. So you've had show and tell. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And it says, let us run with let us run with endurance. Yeah, we're running a race. We're running a race with endurance. If a runner is going to run a race with endurance, I'm not going to stop here, but uh, at least not for long. But if we're going to run a race with endurance in the natural, you have to train to build endurance. You can't just go out and run a, a 5K without having any training or a marathon and not having any training. You can't go do a triathlon without having training. You've got to build up the endurance in your body, right, so that you're able to endure the race. And so just likewise, it's the same in faith that our faith has to mature. Amen. Our faith has to mature in order for us to endure this race that we're called to. So we're running the race. Verse 1, it says, we're running the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. You've been placed on a race. You've been placed on a race by God this morning. You're running the race. And you're going to be patient with us in this race as our sound and everything went crazy haywire before service this morning. So thank you. So we're running the race with endurance. And verse 2, this is where I want to zero in on this morning. Verse 2 says, What looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, give us ears to hear today and give us eyes to see. Lord, as it's already been said numerous times today that we're looking to Jesus. We're setting our eyes on you today, Lord. Give us eyes to see. Give us clarity of vision today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. You know, there are things that the Lord wants you to see. I, before I get into my message today, there are things that God wants you to see and I, I, I want to speak just for a moment, almost a little bit prophetically, if I can, that the Lord, there are things that God wants you to see. There are dreams that he wants you to have. There's visions that he wants you to see. There are things in the spirit that he wants to reveal to you. He's waiting to reveal himself to you. 
But verse 1 tells us that if we want to see these things, if we want to dive deeper in our revelation of Christ, that we need to lay aside some things. Uh, when Isaiah was, was seeing the Lord, it wasn't until his sin, his mouth was dealt with, that he could see things in a newer way. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, but it was when his mouth got burned that he could hear, who will go for us? So there are things that God wants to release through your life that only happen when you're, come on now, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth, when your mouth gets dealt with. God's got to, if your eyes are going to see, your mouth has got to get dealt with. James tells us that the ship of our life, the direction of our life is set in order by what? The words that we so if we're going to begin to see what we cannot see in the natural, we have to start saying the things that we cannot see. We have to start releasing. Come on now. We got to get ready. I need some of you to come a little bit deeper with me today. I need some. I know not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to come with me on this journey. But there are some people in the house that are going to come, come with me on this journey right now. God wants to reveal things to you and show you things with your natural eye, but it starts with what you're saying about yourself and what God has called you to. Now, I, I wanna, I'm going to tell you something uh, I, that the Lord just reminded me I was supposed to do, and, and that is I'm going to start, I am going to speak something this morning that the Lord's been showing there's been things that we, we're coming into alignment with what God's saying, so, so I want you to get ready for this, okay? I don't have all the details. I'm just stepping out in faith. So if you want all the details, you've, you're asking the wrong guy. You need to ask the Lord, because I don't have all the details, but I know that the Lord has said it, and I'm going to put it out there and say, Lord, we're trusting you, and, and the best is yet to come. You say, well, Pastor, we're, there's a lot going on. You're going to tell us something else? Yeah, I sure am. So, so Pastor Heather already told you you need to be in a small group. That's great. But, but this is going a little bit further. So one of the things that we, we, we started to do, if you'll remember, if you'll reflect back with me, pre-COVID, prior, I know, I know that's hard. Everything, COVID changed everything. But one of the things that we started to do pre-COVID was that we were planning an event called Joy Fest. Anybody remember that? It was a tent meeting to happen out in uh, in Catherine Kuhlman, where she was holding meetings, uh, we were attempting to do it out there. We had a piece of property that we were going to do it on. We had the we had the initial permission to do it, and then the city came in and gave that property to Stark State for a, a CDL training area. So we had to change. They wanted us to change venues, and um, when they said change venues, we said we can't use that venue because it's too small. We don't have, we won't, we can't even house our church in that venue, let alone everybody that's going to come in from the neighborhood. So, so we pressed pause at that time and said, Lord, when you resurface it, we'll do it. Well, then COVID happened and nobody was doing tent meetings during COVID. Nobody was going to church during COVID, let alone tent meetings. So uh, the Lord started stirring this in, in Heather and I's heart again. And this uh, past week, I told you Wednesday night, for those that were tuned in on Wednesday night, 
Someone came in, we, like we said, we believe in the prophetic. Someone came in and had a prophetic word for us that aligned with exactly what God was saying and even said, stretch out your tent pegs. So I, I can't get more explicit than that, right? You can't, if you're gonna give me a word from the Lord that's, and God's been speaking to me about a tent mating and then you tell me, stretch out your tent pegs, you can't get much clearer. So here's what we're gonna do. Are you all excited? Are you, I don't, are you all on the edge of your seat? Okay, just making sure you're still with me. So we're going to do a tent meeting out in the front parking lot so or somewhere on the property. I don't know. We might do it out back or out front. Either way, we're doing a tent meeting, and it's going to happen uh, on Pentecost weekend. So it's going to take place May, May 23rd is Pentecost Sunday. And um, so we're gonna, there's going to be information coming. We'll get you all the details, but just know that that's coming. That weekend will be a Thursday night volunteer prayer time, a Friday night meeting, a Saturday outreach and a Sunday church will all be under the tent. And you say, Pastor, what about this? What about that? Don't ask. There's no point in just asking. Just plan. Plan on being there. That's what you need to concern yourself with at this point is plan on being there. Put it on your calendar. Pentecost weekend, the weekend of May 23rd, and uh, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and invite. We'll have promo material. It'll be in the paper. We'll do all of the normal. It'll be on Facebook. It'll, it'll be in all the normal avenues. But Get people there. God's going to come. And I, let me tell you, um, you say, well, who's going to be preaching this thing? Well, that was my question too. I said, Lord, if we're going to do this, who's going to be preaching? Who's going to, what are we doing? And, and I very clearly, the Lord said, you are. You and your wife are. And um, we're, so we're believing. It's not going to be the normal, um, it won't be the normal pastoral, it'll be evangelistic message, but it will be, uh, it, we are going to pray for miracles. I will tell you that um, on, on Saturday night, it may even be Friday night, but we'll let you know. Uh, but we'll do, we're going to do a miracle night, healings and miracles. And, and I, I'm believing for that. I'm believing we're going to see instantaneous miracles and healings. So bring people. Y'all know we have seen a number of healings and Miracles take place here in our services uh, over the past six, seven years. And so we're just going to believe that God's going to continue that. But anyway, so God wants you to see some things. So God's been showing me some things, and uh, he continues to show me things, and I hope that he's showing you things and revealing to you uh, what your part is in this. He's going to speak to you some things. So we're running a race with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Verse 2 says, looking to Jesus. We're not looking to man. We're not looking at who's behind the pulpit, but we're looking to Jesus. Our eyes are fixed. That word to be looking or to fix our gaze on him, to set him as our primary object of focus. Look at Jesus this morning with me. Look at, look at him before the foundations of the world. Maybe you just need to close your eyes with me and maybe you can see it in the, with your eyes open, but just see him as the creator of all things. John tells us that all things were made through him and nothing was made without him. See him as the creator of all things that existed before the foundations of the world. See him as the baby in the manger. See him as the innocent baby, the creator of the world world, stepping in to creation. Simeon said of this baby that this child would be destined for the fall, and he spoke to Mary that a sword would pierce her own soul. This innocent 
baby. See him in his ministry when Luke's when he when he spoke from Isaiah in Luke 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news. See him in his ministry. See Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. See him as he laid hands on the blind man. See him as he raised up the dead. See him outside Lazarus's tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. See him in the power of his ministry and his preaching. See Christ today. Look upon him as he was arrested that night. See him at the Last Supper. See him as he washed his disciples' feet, as he washed his own betrayer's feet. We're looking upon Jesus today. Look upon him. Look upon him as he takes up the place of the servant. <clears throat> Look upon him. Look upon Jesus at the, in the garden as he begins to pray and cry out in anguish. Look upon him as he's arrested and he says, I am he and 500 soldiers fall out under the power of those words. Look upon him at the cross with nails driven into the creator's hands and feet. Think about the one who spoke that tree into existence. The one who formed those trees and the iron that would make those nails was driving his hands and his feet up against that cruel cross. Think about Jesus in that tomb, buried in the earth that he formed from dust to dust. And he was laying in that tomb, dying, and, and his body beginning the death, de decaying process. But lo and behold, in that tomb, look upon the resurrection power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives on the inside of you and I began to flow through that lifeless, decaying, dead body and resurrected him out of that tomb. That same Jesus, look upon him as Mary did in the garden and asked where that gardener laid his body and he said, Mary, I am he. Look upon Jesus as he was teaching his disciples and he began to ascend up into the sky. Higher and higher and higher he went as he ascended before them until he was out of their visual range. And the angels appeared and said, why do you men of Galilee look after this Jesus? The same Jesus that ascended shall return. He's coming again. And there's coming a day, friend, when our natural eyes will be hold him again. Our faith shall be sight, the song says, where I won't just behold him through the eyes of faith any longer, but I will behold him through my natural eyes. Look upon Jesus today. Look upon Jesus who was seated at the right hand of the Father on the day of Pentecost, who was interceding for his, his believers, who was interceding for the saints. And in that moment, he began to pour out the Holy Spirit spirit upon them. And Peter stood up and he preached and he said, this Jesus, who you see, who you crucified, this which you see and hear, these people praying in tongues, these people that are acting out of their mind crazy and drunk, these people, this is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost.
And Jesus, the one you crucified, is the one who's doing it. It's his doing. It's his ministry. Oh, you thought you crucified him. You thought you stopped him. You thought you ended it. No, baby. You only perpetuated and multiplied it. Now you've got to deal with all of us. (laughs) Look upon Jesus today. Look upon him. Look upon him. Yeah, yeah, I see him. I see him in heaven today. Romans tells us that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. Can you hear, can you hear his prayers this morning? Can you hear the prayers of the resurrected one? Woo, Jesus. Can you hear the prayers of the resurrected one saying, Father, as you and I are one, let them be one. Just as you and I are one, bring them into our love. Bring them into our unit. Just as you and I are, let them be. Woo, Jesus. (laughs) Pour it out, Lord. (laughs) Pour it out, Lord. Yeah, Jesus. So looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the captain. That word author is the word captain. He's the captain of our salvation. And Hebrews, Hebrews 2, actually, if you flip over there, in Hebrews 2, it says this, that, that for if the word, let me, let me catch up, verse 2. My, my brain's catching up with my spirit man here. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive just a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? He's the captain of our salvation. You go down to verse 10, it says, For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. In other words, everything that exists is because of him. And he's bringing many sons to glory. To what? To make, he is, what? It's right there. The captain of our salvation. He did that through his suffering. So, so Jesus, we're looking to Jesus, the captain of our salvation. In Hebrews chapter 10, we find that he is leading us, our captain, the chief of, of our army, the one who is leading us on ahead, is leading us into a new and living way. We're not marching after old orders. We're, mar- we're not marching after the old covenant, but we are marching forward in a life behind the veil. We have been called to live in a new and living way, a way behind the veil. What does that mean? You and I are called to live in the very presence of the Lord, the veil that separated us, the veil of our flesh, the veil of the temple, the very thing that separated us from seeing Christ, the captain of our salvation, has been torn, and now we don't see shadows of things to come. We see him as he is. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, everybody say confidence, we have confidence to enter the holy place. We have confidence by the blood of Jesus. It's not our own works or righteousness, but according to the blood of Jesus, 
by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. So we can come boldly before the throne of grace today because the flesh, because Jesus' body was torn for you and I. If you remember back to the crucifixion when he died, the veil, the holy place, the temple veil was torn from top to bottom. It was symbolizing that you and I have free access. As a result of the crucifixion, we now have access. It's free to us, but paid for with Christ's body. Free access into the holy place. In Romans 5, it tells us, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. And through him, we have, what? Obtained access. We didn't have access before. We couldn't enter in. You and I couldn't enter in into the holy place. But now, because we've been justified by faith, looking unto Jesus, our justifier, we now have access into the holy place. What the works of flesh could not do, what the works of good works could not do, what the blood in Hebrews chapter 9, what the blood of bulls and goats could not accomplish, the blood of the perfect Lamb of God was able to accomplish for you and I. What the blood of bull, let's, let's go there, Hebrews, Hebrews 9, you just flip over a couple channels, it's, it chapters, it's there. Hebrews chapter 9, it hasn't left, it's still there. Hebrews chapter 9, it says, but Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. What was the tabernacle? It was himself. I was talking about him. And he came not with blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. <laughs> Woo! He didn't come. He didn't send an angel. He did, when God said, I need to fix the problems of humanity, he didn't send another bull, another goat. He said, I'm coming. I'm going to fix this. My blood. And that plan, the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption, the plan of Christ coming was set in motion before the very foundations of the world. Before the creation of man, God had a plan of redemption, and it was the sacrifice of his own son. Whew. And he became, if we, if we keep reading here in, in, in chapter 9, it says that he came with his own blood. Verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? All of those dead works, all of the dead things, all of those skeletons hanging out in your closet, all the guilt, all the shame, all the past, all the issues that haunt you and taunt you and torment you, God dealt with on the cross. The same blood that flowed from Calvary is the same blood that cleanses our conscience clean. It's the blood that gives us access, that not only does God want us to come boldly before his throne, he calls us to come boldly before his throne, and he's made a way for us to come boldly before his throne. He wants you there, he's called you there, and he's made a way for you to be there. It's through the blood of Christ that we have a heavenly mediator. Jesus leads us into a new and living way. 
We look unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. He leads us in our faith. He perfects our faith because he is the perfection of faith. He's able to perfect in you and I our faith. He's able to mature our faith because he is the perfected one. It is his chief aim to make your faith mature. Why is that? Because Hebrews 11.6 tells us that if we come to him, we must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. Faith is the underlying uh, uh, cornerstone to our, our walk with Christ, our salvation. And so faith must mature in him. He is the object of our faith. And the more that we behold him, the more that our life becomes centered around him, the more that our maturity in faith, the more mature in faith that we become. Mark 11 tells us in verse 22 to have faith in God. The disciples were amazed by the fig tree that had withered. It was not producing fruit. Jesus cursed it. They passed it the next day, and it's withered, and they were amazed. And what was Jesus' response? Have faith in God. And he said, if you have faith in God, you shall stand at this mountain that stands between you. You stand at that mountain and say, be cast into the sea, be removed into the sea, and it shall be moved. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Faith is how we perceive him. It's the reality of who he is. It's the reality that brings us in. It's the reality that says his presence is upon me. His presence is with me. I can live in this new and living way. Faith makes us aware of that divine reality, that I am living in his presence. It's not just a feeling. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not just a feeling that he's present. Faith is the assurance of things that I can't feel, see, touch tangibly. Does he come in feelings? Yes. Does he come in ways that we can touch and tangibly see him? Yes. But faith is the evidence of things that we cannot see. So when I don't see him, when I can't feel him, when I can't touch him, faith tells me he's right in the room with me. It's not a denial of present circumstances. It's accepting them for what they are and says God's with me in spite of them. He's walking with me in spite of them. Whether I feel him or I don't, he's still with me. And I promise you that if you'll just stay there in that place for a moment and say, God, I know that I can't feel you in this moment. In this second, I can't feel you. But I know that you're with me. Because you said you would never leave me. You would never forsake me. That you're walking with me until the end of this age. So I know that right now, I can't see you with my natural. But you're, I tell you, if you will stay there, you'll feel him. Something will break through. You say, I, I don't feel like praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit anyway. Way. It may it may sound like a rusted out gear trying to stir something up, but stir up that rusted up gear and let the oil of the Holy Ghost begin to flow in upon that gear and watch what will happen. You'll feel something all right. Something will break loose. That's the life of faith. Faith, it starts with what we cannot see, but it always manifests. 
There's, there's nothing in faith that you start off in faith. Jesus said, if you speak to this mountain, it'll be moved. It might start off seeing it move by faith, but it's gonna move. It may not move in the time that you want it and how you want it, but it's gonna move. Right? Faith, faith will bring things that you cannot see it to pass, but you have to stay walking in faith. In Galatians 2, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but what? By through faith. Justification happens not by our works, but through faith. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. We try to check the boxes, do all the right things. It doesn't do any good for us, but we live by faith. The just shall live by faith faith. So if we live by faith, we recognize that our justification, oh, let me just, let me just pause on that word because we like to justify our sin. Come on now. We like to justify our sin. We like to justify ourselves. Well, I did it because they made me do it. Well, they deserve it. I had to act that way because, and we justify ourselves. That's like the worst ever. Yuck, sin, gross, nasty. Put it on the altar, burn it up. When you justify yourself, you prevent yourself from being justified. When you justify yourself, you prevent yourself from being justified. Jesus stands ready to declare you justified. Even in your interactions with people. This works with Heavenly Father and this works with your relationship with others. If you're constantly trying to justify your actions to people, there's no place for you to be declared justified. There's no place of humility for someone to say, I absolve you. It's okay. I forgive you. Let's move on. Right? Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. But if all you do is I bark right back at, well, you said and you did, there's no room for healing. But when you humble yourself and recognize by faith, I'm in a relationship with you by faith. (laughs) I am not trusting in your ability. I'm trusting in the Lord who keeps my relationships. And it doesn't matter whether I think I was right or you were wrong. Listen, (laughs) you got that? Some of you got it. Some of you are like, what did he say? I missed it. Go watch, go watch the video later. You'll catch it. it does, if, if, you roll, if you roll in the mud, both of you get muddy. Did you hear me? If you roll in the mud, both of you get muddy. Just stay out of the mud. Just give space for humility to work. Just give space. Yeah, that's all. Hallelujah. Y'all want me to get back to be. You're justified by faith. Hallelujah. Jesus has declared you justified. Where you were an enemy, when you were an enemy, I, I just think about that. You know, we're, we, we hear a lot on the news these days about China and all these different countries, enemies of the state, all this stuff rolling around, who's got nuclear weapons and who's going to do this, that. I, I don't see anyone quickly absolving people well, you've got, you've got a bunch of nuclear weapons, so we'll just, we'll just forgive you and we'll just ignore. No, when there's someone rising up run to deal as an enemy with our country, what happens? We deal back. 
That's, that's the normal, right? Deal back. But that's not what Jesus did. You're an enemy. Think back. Look upon Jesus at the Last Supper. I said it earlier. Look upon him at that Last Supper. And what did he do with his enemy? He washed his feet. He served him a meal. And he went to the cross. Do you follow? So while we were yet enemies, he still justified me. He still went to the cross to declare me justified. While I was in opposition, he saw me, he knew me, he had a plan for my life. He created me as his masterpiece and he chose me, called me out of this world, out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he leads us in our faith. In Hebrews 2.10, I read it earlier, but it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory. When, when you have a captain, a leader, a leader goes out on ahead and prepares the way. A leader goes out and he prepares the way. Jesus was leading us in our salvation. He prepared the way out ahead of us. Now, that's great. But if you're going to be a disciple, Jesus said, you got to take up your cross and follow me daily. If you're going to follow him into salvation, you have to submit your will and desires to him and follow after him. If he's going to be your leader, you got to be his follower. If you're going to call him Lord, then he's got to be Lord. Right? So you submit to him. And the awesome thing is he comes and he navigates that journey with us. He says, I've gone out ahead and I've prepared the way and now you've taken up your cross and I'm gonna walk with you. Take up my yoke, it's easy. My burden's light. You don't have to carry the shame and the guilt and the issues of your past. I'll take that. Take my burden instead. Take my yoke of peace. Take my yoke of righteousness. Take my yoke of joy. It was because of Christ's humility as he humbled himself to become the lamb in this life, that he now sits on the throne as the lamb of God. Because he humbled himself in this life, he's now been exalted. And he's ruling and reigning in our lives. Thirdly, he leads us in our joy. The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him. He was fixated on something and it was his joy. What was the... What's the joy of the Lord? It's my strength. We know that. But what was, what was Christ fixated on that gave him joy going through the cross? Let me read. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus told this story in verse 4. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. What, what was the joy of the Lord? He was fixated on your redemption. What was his joy? He was fixated on the plan of redemption for your life. He saw your life. 
He saw your misery. He saw your depression. He saw your fear. He saw your bondage. And he said, I'm fixating my eye because what I'm doing right now, there's a joy in it. Although I have to suffer for a little while, though there may be tears sowing seed, I'm doubtless coming again. I, I know there's a joy. There's a harvest for me in joy, and it's a harvest of salvation. There's a harvest of salvation. There's a harvest of joy. And he was fixated on that joy, and that joy becomes our delight. It's because our God is a happy God that we can be happified with God. He gets the glory, we get the joy. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He wants your joy to be overflowing today. He wants your joy to be full, not just a natural joy, not just a joy that the world gives, but, but a joy and a delight in his presence. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. There's delight in his presence. He was fixated on the glory of the Father, the delight of salvation, and because of that, you and I can be joyful. We can drink, the Bible says in Isaiah, with joy from the wells of salvation. There is an eternal river of divine pleasures that's flowing for you and I to the woman at the well who had, who had exhausted herself with relationship after relationship after relationship, trying and trying to find joy and delight in this life. Jesus said, if you'll drink of the waters that I give out of your innermost being, out of your belly will flow rivers. It's an eternal supply, an eternal river, an eternal supply of pleasures and delight forevermore. On the, on the last day, in the great day of the feast, Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. There's joy for you. There's joy for your life. It's not just an idea. It's not just a concept, but it is a fruit. It is the working of the Holy Ghost in your life. And when we surrender and we drink of this spiritual intoxicating water, like the waters that were flowing on the day of Pentecost. When we drink of this eternal river, there's an eternal joy that floods our soul. Have a drink today. Have a drink of the unending, never, never ending, always satisfying, can never be quenched, Holy Ghost rivers that are flowing for you and I. You can't quench it. You can't stop it. It's always flowing. You, there's not a demand you place on it that it can't supply. It's not like the widow's oil that was dried up and wasting away. But when she began to mm, just worship the Lord with it, when she began to worship, with the oil began to flow. The oil, and I tell you, there's, a, there's enough oil. There's enough river. There's enough joy for you today. Say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. doesn't matter. <laughs> There's enough joy for you. Why can I have joy? Because it's his joy. It's his joy in me. It's his joy in me. And it's overflowing. Jesus said in John 15 that if you abide in me and my words in you, come on, somebody, there's an overflow of his joy when you abide in Christ. <laughs> Woo! 
Jesus. <laughs> Some of you need a drink this morning. There's the spiritual rock is following after you. And, you know, this rock called Christ, Corinthians tell, it's following you, knocking everywhere you go. Will you turn to me? Hey, can I get your attention? The rock is following after, saying, hey, hey, have a drink, have a drink. And you're just still depressed and discouraged, but the rock is still there saying, have a drink. But I, I want to try to fix it. My have a drink. The rock is still flowing. The same spiritual rock that followed them in the wilderness is the same water flowing for you and I. Jesus. I should get back on my notes. And Isaiah says, And the ransomed, any ransomed here this morning, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. With singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. I, I think about this for a moment. So if you, any past Catholics here will understand this. But, 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 on, but, but on the Ash Wednesday, they put what on your head? Remind you of your sin. Carry it on your forehead. Weep and wail because you are carrying your sin. We're going to put an ash on your head to remind you. But that, but 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 we come into Hebrews, we come we come into the New Testament, and there's there's an oil pouring over my head. <laughs> there's a, hey, there's an oil, and it's called the oil of joy for mourning, and it's pouring over my head. It's pouring over the window seals. I don't need ashes on my head because I've got the oil of joy. My sins got dealt with. I have oil of joy flowing into my life. I don't have mourning. I don't have sadness. I don't have depression, discouragement. I have joy. I have joy. <laughs> Yeah, everlasting joy. And not only do I do not only do I have joy, I have eternal joy. It doesn't get better than that. Everything you try to fill your life with in this life, the earthly pleasures, it's temporal joy. Temporal pleasure, broken cisterns. Broken cisterns, but there is a fountain <laughs> whose streams will never run dry. <laughs> eternal there is right now a river flowing in heaven. Crystal clear. The Bible describes it. Crystal clear river. It's flowing in heaven. When I get there, I plan on taking a swim. And I am not a swimmer. So you all know, I don't have to worry about drowning. I don't have to worry about drowning. I'm good to go. I'm just diving in. <laughs> it is the Holy Ghost River. Flowing for you and I. Romans tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Have a drink. Have a drink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you just lift your hands with me this morning? Worship team, come on back. Why don't you just lift your hands? Hallelujah. 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 Woo! Cabraista. Mande. Breme. Ande. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Pour out, Lord, your joy. Lead us. Oh, Captain, lead us. Captain of our salvation. Lead us on in to the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Captain of our salvation. Lead us on in to the fullness of joy. Captain of our salvation. Lead us into the perfection of our faith. Where we've set our eyes on you. We're running the race of endurance. Hallelujah. With our eyes fixed on Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just press in for a moment. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Ooh, have a drink. Faith, by faith, we can come into a new and living way. It's a joyful way. It's a delightful way. So it's, it leads us through the pleasures at his right hand forevermore. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Overflowing joy. His joy can be yours today. <laughs> His joy can be yours today. His joy can be yours today. His joy can be yours today. Yeah, fullness of joy. The fullness of joy, not an earthly temporal joy, but fullness of His fullness you can drink today. Of his fullness you can drink today. I, I, hallelujah. Here's, here, if you need his joy this morning, just stand on up. If you just say, Lord, I need more of your joy. I need your joy in my life. Just stand on up with those antennas lifted high, if you're able. And do, Woo! Woo! Jesus. Yeah, just receive this morning. <laughs> 